0: Good morning. Good to see you. Thanks for being here with us today. Thanks for all of you that are joining us online. Really grateful that you've chosen to be with us. We are in a series, if you're new today, in the book of Revelation. We'll be in Revelation chapter 6 and 7 this morning. And so while you're turning over there. Uh, in your copy of God's Word. And if you need one, there should be one in the the Bible in the chair in front of you. I heard that men's retreat was awesome this weekend, and we have uh, men zealously pursuing the Lord today. And Romans 12 popped on you version. That's all inside intel. So if you weren't there, you missed it. You got to be there next year. Uh, we're excited to to have you, and excited to see how God is at work among men and women in our church. So Revelation chapter six and seven, we are going to take a deep dive here this morning, and it's going to be it's going to seem weird on the surface, and we're just going to have to navigate that weird nature of the text uh, today. So just to recap, we began in Revelation chapter one, where we learned of the majesty of the glory of Jesus Christ and that God is sovereign over everything. We looked at seven letters to seven churches. Actually, we studied three of them, and then we popped into a section last week that talked about the only one worthy to open the scroll that was held in the hand of the father was jesus the son and that's where we pick up today in a message that i would just title the seal judgments and the great uh, tribulation so this section we are learning that he is bringing the people of god out of the bondage and brokenness in the world would anybody agree that there's bondage and brokenness in the world you see that, you know that, you feel that out of the bondage and brokenness in the world through judgment and into the final promised land. It's a picture that, that they understand, that we understand from the book of Exodus, how Moses delivered the people from Egypt through the judgment of the wilderness and into the promised land. So we are actually in the new Exodus as we read uh, Revelation Uh, chapter six and seven. So we're going to read all 34 verses of these two chapters. So I'm going to ask you to stand. If you're able, the 34 verses is going to be like four and a half minutes. So, you know, if you have to sit down, I understand completely. Uh, But here's what the scripture says. If you're new at the end of the main text reading, we say this phrase, the very words, just to distinguish God's word from my own. Here's what the scripture says. Now I watched when the lamb opened one of the seven seals and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a loud, with a voice like thunder come and I looked and behold a white horse and its rider had a bow and a crown was given to him and he came out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say come and out came another horse bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, come. And I looked and behold, a pale horse and its rider's name was death. And Hades followed him and they were given authority over a quarter of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. As sackcloth, the full moon became like blood and the stars of the sky fell to the earth. As the fig tree sheds its winter fruit and when shaken by a gale, the sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich ones and the powerful and everyone slave and free hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, "'Calling to the mountains and the rocks, "'Fall on us and hide us from the face of him "'who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for, "'for for the great day of their wrath has come, "'and who can stand? "'After this I saw four angels standing "'at the four corners of the earth, "'holding back the four winds of the earth, "'that no one might blow on the earth or sea "'or against any tree. "'Then I saw another angel ascending "'from the rising of the sun,' With the seal of the living God, he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. Twelve thousand from the tribe of Judah were sealed, Twelve thousand from the tribe of Reuben, Twelve thousand from the tribe of Gad, Twelve thousand from the tribe of Asher, Twelve thousand from the tribe of Naphtali, Twelve thousand from the tribe of Manasseh. Twelve thousand from the tribe of Simeon, Twelve thousand from the tribe of Levi, Twelve thousand from the tribe of Issachar, Twelve thousand from the tribe of Zebulun, Twelve thousand from the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 from the tribe of Benjamin were sealed. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. God, he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Maybe seated. So, when we come to Revelation chapter 6 and 7, what we are entering as as far as a season of Revelation goes is the great uh, tribulation. I'll just say on the upfront, that these sealed judgments, as the Lamb opens the scroll and opens one seal at a time, these sealed judgments are uh, a period of judgments that purify the faithful and judge the idolatrous. And so in my view, and this will color the rest of uh, my interpretation of this text, but in my view, this is for the church and for the world. So the church is not exempt from what we're getting ready to talk about here. We're going to see seven seals, although we'll only look at six of them today. Four horsemen. One hundred and forty-four thousand and a great multitude. How many of you heard Johnny Cash's voice in Revelation chapter six somewhere? Right? The man, when the man comes around, go go listen to that song after this. it is, uh, it is a known section of scripture to some degree, but just maybe completely misunderstood and misused in so many different ways. And so let me just make uh, several observations as we move through this together. The, I want to begin by just saying that God is sovereign over the sealed judgments. He's sovereign over his people. He's sovereign over his, over the nations. So, Everything that that we're getting ready to look at and see, the loving God who loves you with a steadfast love is sovereign over it. And we can trust him in it. Now, the first thing that we see clearly are the sealed judgments. And they are sort of sanctifying and judgmental all at the same time. And we come quickly to four horsemen. Of the apocalypse, uh, some people like to to call them. Uh, I'll begin just uh, slowly working through them. It says, and I looked in verse 2, and I looked, and a white horse and its rider had a bow and a crown was given to him. And he came out conquering and to conquer. So the first horse, the rider on the white horse, comes with conquest. The question is, who is the rider on the white horse? horse and the answer is nebulous uh in my opinion we don't know people want to make it jesus really quickly because he's on a white horse but if you begin to study you might think oh it could be the antichrist and it could be the symbol of something else it does not for uh, all intents and purposes matter who's on that white horse it's that we have a rider on a white horse to bringing with him Conquest and whatever the case, it is clear that God is sovereign over this. Secondly, we have a red horse. Look at verses three and four. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come, and out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people should slay one another, and he was given. A great sword. So, this is the opening of the second seal, the entrance of the red horse and the rider. And this rider has the ability to bring conflict on the earth in such a way that it removes peace. And this is unique, it's not situational conflict uh, in pockets around the globe, but this is global conflict. This is the the absence of shalom or the absence of peace globally. This is the uniqueness of what this red uh, horse and its rider brings. It is conflict rather than peace. And that becomes the norm globally. So when you see that kind of shift, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's showing us, What is happening? Matthew chapter 24, verse six, Jesus said uh, to his disciples, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed for this must take place, but the end is not yet. So this ties with, in my opinion, the red horse in this period of time where there is conflict globally rather than peace. And that is the norm. Uh, Third, we get a black horse and a third seal. And you see this in Revelation chapter six, verse five and six. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come. And I looked and behold, a black horse and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. Now, the black horse uh, brings with it a decimated grain Crop. If you if you read on there, it says, and I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not harm the oil and the wine. So this black horse and its rider brings famine it brings decimation of the grain crop and what this causes is inflation and economic upheaval now this whole wheat and barley thing wheat if you if you look at this in context wheat Is kind of the the bread of the rich and barley is for the poor. And what we're learning is that it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It takes a day's wage to acquire just enough bread for your family. And so uh, these are bad economic times. The fourth seal is a pale horse and rider. And the pale horse, it says, its rider's name was death and hades followed him and they were given the authority over a quarter of the earth to kill with the sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth so the fourth seal the the pale horse and its rider brings with it death by sword famine pestilence and wild animals so as these four horsemen come on to the scene under the sovereignty of god each bringing sort of the judgment of uh, of one seal or another what we what we begin with is conquest that moves into global conflict decimated grain crops causing global inflation and economic upheaval and then finally a pale horse and rider that brings with it ultimately death sword death by the sword by famine by pestilence and by wild animals Welcome to church, everyone. It's so uplifting. It is called the Great Tribulation for a reason, because this is uh, this is judgment. This is the earth being judged. Now, the fifth and sixth seals were what we come to. Next. In Revelation chapter 6, 9 to 11. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had uh, borne. Now, we get a picture of people. When we're talking about souls, these are eternal souls of, of real people. And these people have been slain, and it says they were specifically slain for the witness they had borne and for the word of God. So these people have died because they upheld the word of God and they bore testimony to Jesus and they died. So that's the kind of season that the world is in, in this moment. Okay. These people are close to the altar. And I think that's an important observation to make is that even, uh, even in death, Through the the tribulation period, they have been brought very close to God. They're close to the altar. In Revelation chapter 6, 10, they cry out with a loud voice, uh, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? So they cry for justice. And there's no, they're not, you know, reprimanded for crying for justice. Justice will occur. But what they are offered in this moment, they are given white robes, which is a picture of righteousness and a promise of future final glory. They're they're basically told to relax. That's what that word means. Rest a little longer. Relax. It's coming, but God is sovereign over it. God is sovereign, and, and, and it's, it goes on to say, God is sovereign over the number of the faithful who will die, which means that there will be more in that tribulation period that die, and there's a particular number. We don't know what it is, but God knows, and when that happens, then this will uh, move us into a period of justice on the earth. Now, here's what I learned from all of that, and I think we should be careful to understand is that the elect— The believers in the tribulation, they do not avoid the far-reaching implications of the sealed judgments. They don't. If I'm just reading the text, for what it says, believers... Do not avoid the far-reaching implications of the sealed judgment. Hope is clear. Hope is in Jesus, ultimately in the restoration of all things. But faithfulness to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus in these days, it is going to cost. Let's see. But it will be re- rewarded. Now, the sixth seal, Revelation chapter 6, verse 12 Uh, to 16 it indicates unprecedented cosmic upheaval so i mean just look at it some of it we understand and then some of it we're like what is that when he opened the sixth seal i looked and behold there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth the full moon became like blood and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit and shaken by a gale. So apparently in this, in this time, there, there is uh, um, darkness that befalls the sun and befalls the moon. And something like meteor showers, stars falling from the sky, I- increasing. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up. And every mountain and island was removed from its place. Now, all that I know that that is, is cosmic upheaval. I can't imagine the sky being rolled back like a scroll, although that's the language that's used here. It just indicates cosmic upheaval. This, in turn, this seal, it says in verse uh, 15 of chapter 6, The kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in caves and among the rocks and the mountains. So about the sixth seal, what we see is that it does not matter where you're located or who you are, how much money or power you have or don't have. Everybody, by the time we get to the sixth seal, everybody is on equal footing. Everybody is saying, hide me in the caves from the wrath of the lamb. You know, this is the sixth seal there are two questions that are asked clearly in these chapters. And the first one is at the end of uh, the description of the sixth seal, verse 17 of chapter six. It just says, who can stand? Who can stand? I think it's a really good question. Malachi chapter three, verse two, it says, but who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears for he's like a refiner's fire and like Fuller's soap. Like he is gonna make it clean. Who can stand? And that's the question we come to in the, the, the sixth seal. Nobody on their own will be able to stand before the wrath of the lamb. It will be the refiner's fire as described, but in these four horsemen and these six uh, seals. Now, interestingly enough, as we move into chapter seven, the first seal that we see is not the seventh seal, but the seal of the living God for his people during the great tribulation. So we'll work through now chapter uh, seven. In chapter 7, it says, verse 1, After this, I saw four angels standing, the four corners of the earth. If anybody's a flat earther, this is a euphemism. The earth is, is not flat. It's, it's been proven. Um, <clears throat> Holding back the four winds of the earth, that no, no wind might blow on the earth or sea or against any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, the seal of the living God with the seal of the living God. And he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to do harm to earth and sea, saying, do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. So the seal of the living God, for lack of a better terminology, is a program of protection during the tribulation. It's a program of protection during the tribulation. Now there's sort of two, uh, let me read this. Revelation chapter nine, verse four. Um, Later, and we we will get to this next week. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. So there there is a, a time coming in a later chapter where the people are protected who have this seal of God on their foreheads. This is a program of protection. Now, there are really two groups of people in chapter Seven that we have to take a look at. First in in Revelation chapter seven, one to eight, we get 144,000 of Israel sealed. Now you could read for hours on the question, who are the 144,000? Let me make this one simple observation. If you were a first or second century Christian, Jewish, probably background, many of you, and you heard this message or read this scroll, you would determine in the first or second century that these are Jews. You would look at this and say, these are are Jews, because it lists them as 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. They're not goyim. They're not, they're not goy they're not you know um non-jews gentiles they're they're jews from from the sons of israel that's what they'd say and and it lists every tribe now interestingly enough and it's for another time it does not list the tribe of dan and, and instead gives us the tribe of joseph which usually encompasses manasseh and ephraim and it separates out um Manat, uh, Manasseh, yeah, Manasseh. From that, so we have the tribe of Dan missing. That's important. It's a, no, a whole whole of the sermon. It just has to do with idolatry. Just, just idolatry, pure idolatry. Right? Go to Israel. I'll I'll, I'll show you. <clears throat> Here's the thing. 144,000 sealed, I believe that these are the Jews redeemed during the great tribulation. Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11 talks about how we have the important uh, understanding as Christians to understand that we are wild olive shoots grafted into this all of this cultivated olive tree that are the sons of Israel. And Paul says, look, it's so much easier from these, for these branches that have been broken off of this wild, uh, this cultivated olive tree. So easy for God to just graft them right back in. I believe this 144,000. These are Jews redeemed during the tribulation. They come to God through Jesus. They're redeemed by the blood of the lamb during the tribulation. 144,000 Jews sealed with uh, the seal of the living God. And interestingly, right up next to them in verses nine and following, uh, we are going to see a great multitude of all nations. Now this is a, a, a zoom out view. So you've got the 144,000, but now you've got a great multitude of all nations. And, and let's read the scripture. Verse nine, after this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation. So these are Goim. goyim. These are the Goy. These are not the Jews, but these are the, these are the peoples from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They are clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Hoshanah, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Now, this is a clear echo of Luke chapter 19, 28 to 41, when Jesus rides into Jerusalem on an unwritten colt on the day we call the triumphal entry. People are standing there. You go back and read that passage. They're standing there. They're crying out salvation. They have palm branches in their hand, laying uh, 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 cloaks before Jesus as he rides into to Jerusalem. Jesus wept then. Now Jesus is restoring all things this great multitude is in part something that I think we we have to think about where do they come from and who are they revelation chapter 7 verse 12 and following it says that they Fell on their faces before the throne and they said, amen, blessing and glory and honor and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. And then we get the next question that's in this text. And one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these clothed in white robes and from where do they come? That's a good question, right? I'm glad they ask and answer it in the text so we don't have to wonder who are these and John, this is John verse 14. I said to him, sir, you, you know, well, I don't know, but you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. So these are people, believers who are coming out of the great tribulation. They've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. They're not Jews, but they're from all nations, tribes and tongues. And they are now here surrounding the throne room of heaven. It says that they, they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Now, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 21 and 22, for then there will be great tribulation. Such has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. When I add all this up, when I look at all this, what I see, my conclusion is that Christians are on the planet during the great tribulation. The church, in my opinion, has not exited the, the building, has not left The plan. I'm just reading the text and telling you what it says, right? If you walk away saying that this was a great sermon today, I read the Bible to you. Have you noticed? We read it, then we read it again, in little bitty chunks, because it's the Word of God that matters. It's what it says that we need to understand. Without Looking at it to somehow try to make our situation uh, better. In my opinion, we go through. We should prepare for it. And we should equip each generation for it. Now, if I'm wrong. In heaven, come up to me. Just go, like you were so wrong. I'm like, praise the Lord. I was wrong. But if the text... Is right. How would that change our way of living, our way of walking, our intensity by which we disciple the kids growing up in our own ki- in our own homes, um, the way that we spend our time and energy? If in fact we're going to go through, I think we should prepare for it. So, where's the hope in all this? Like, Pastor Brian, you crushed my dreams. I thought because I grew up in America, I live in Texas, I walked an aisle at six and checked the box that I would not have to go through this. I'm just saying, it appears that the church of Jesus Christ goes through the tribulation, at least in part. So, where's the hope? Because I don't like the four horsemen so much. The six seals we've talked about don't seem great. So, so where's the hope? We only find hope for the great tribulation in Jesus. That's where we find the hope. In Revelation chapter 7, verse 10, right in the middle, the, they're, they're, they're either saying or singing this song, and they, they say, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation is a good thing in tribulation. Salvation is your deliverance from tribulation. Revelation chapter seven, verse 14 talks about the atonement and says that they have washed their blood, their, their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Now, you know, like if you take something white and pour blood all over it, you know, it doesn't, does it actually look white? Here something miraculous is happening, that the blood of the lamb, he has paid the price and now offering us these white robes, this imputed righteousness, this thing. I could never be righteous on my own, but because of Jesus and his forgiveness, his grace and his mercy to me, he made me righteous. So in that day, white robe, you know, and the only hope is in Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. Can I take you back to Roman, I mean Revelation chapter one, verses four and five? This is how it starts. Grace to you and peace. You hear that? Grace to you and peace. In like fact, the four horsemen are coming, the seals are coming, this judgment is coming. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Hear that again to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Jesus secured our future position before God with his blood. You realize that if you're walking the planet during the Great Tribulation and you go through, it's going to be bad, according to the text. But that is as close to hell as you will ever get. And it is momentary and fleeting compared to an eternity with the lamb and that is the hope that's what people will hold on to as they go through the great tribulation the ones who die for the word of god and and the testimony of jesus they're holding on to the hope of the living god the lamb who was slain the one who is worthy to open the scroll revelation chapter 7 verse 15 to 17 here's what it says to that multitude that went through the future of the saints that go through the tribulation. It says, it tells us these things. They're before the throne of God. He pulled them close. Wouldn't a father do that when his kids hurt? He pulled them close. They serve him day and night in his temple. To serve God? What a privilege in the throne room and in his presence. They serve him 24 seven day and night. It says he shelters with him, with them. It's like he set up a tent. This is the language of the, the, the scripture. He set up a tent and stayed with him. Now this again, all, all, all harkens back to all that all the way back to the old Testament and the tabernacle and then the temple. And then the Holy Spirit. I will be with them. I will be their God and. They will be with my people. It says they have no more hunger or thirst. This is for people that have been going through uh, the worst famine ever. No more scorching sun or heat. It says the lamb will be their shepherd. Read Psalm 23 today. Read John 10 today. Jesus will shepherd them. The lamb will guide them to springs of living water. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 7 said it to the woman at the well if you knew what kind of water i offered you you would take it and drink it you'd never thirst again he will guide them to springs of living water their thirst spiritually will be quenched forever and god will wipe away every tear from their eyes this is the restoration of all things people this is the great hope but i think that he brings us out of the bondage and brokenness of the world through judgment And into promise. That's what I see when I read the text. How do you respond to that? Level one. You have to think about who Jesus is and what he means. You have to think about your own life, not religiously, but relationally. Like, Do I know Jesus? Does he know me? Are we walking together? Have I been forgiven by the blood of the lamb? The scripture says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Most people like to say hell. It's actually the wrath of God there. And this is what we're seeing beginning here in Revelation chapter six and seven. You need to deal with Jesus. Maybe you just need to humble yourself and ask him for forgiveness. Ask him to come into your life and be Lord of your life. Save your soul and begin to walk with him. Uh, Some of us, we have been saved. We know it, but we don't walk with him because we don't look at this Revelation chapter six and seven. We're just banking on the Willy Wonka kind of golden ticket to heaven. And we forget In this life, you will have trouble, Jesus said. And if you so live in this time period, Revelation chapter six and seven, you will have great trouble. So walk with him. He will guide you by streams of living water. He will shepherd you to green pastures. Maybe you just need to, you need to walk with them. The last thing I would say is this, is that like we need to parent and grandparent our kids and grandkids like they will go through the great tribulation. How would that change things? What we do with them, what conversations we have, how we spend our time, how we spend our money, what, what experiences we're giving them, how we demonstrate love, gospel, all of that kind of stuff. We need to think about that. Because it's been relatively easy to be a Christian around here for a long time, but this does not paint that picture. See all right, bow your head, close your eyes, ask the Lord to speak to you. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, sovereign king of the universe. you the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You show us how it will end. You answer questions for us clearly in the text. Jesus, you're worthy and we trust you. Forgive us of our sin, cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Help us to walk with you, to hear you, and to obey you. No matter our circumstance, our suffering, our situation, our tribulation, help us to hear you and obey you. May we be so faithful as to be the kinds of people that would die for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. But even more so, help us to live now for the word of God in the testimony of Jesus. I pray for all those who have heard this message today and read the scriptures, I pray that you would make it clear to them who you are, Jesus. Would you save souls today? Woo people by your spirit, convict them of their sin and let them run to you for forgiveness and grace and mercy, love. Wake up your church. Show favor to every home. Give parents and grandparents understanding, burden, responsibility to to disciple in a way that prepares. We love you, sovereign Lord. Thank you for your steadfast love. We bless your name in Jesus' name.